0: Well, happy Easter, and uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We have a full house. I want to thank uh, all the people who are joining us down in the sanctuary, and the commons. Uh, Servers will be around soon with hot cinnamon rolls down there for you. April Fool's, sorry, but that would be really cool, wouldn't it? That would be awesome. Uh, It feels a little more like Christmas than uh, does Easter uh, this morning. And um, if I'd have known the weather was going to be... Like winter, I probably would have gotten away a little bit for spring break. I don't know how many of you guys got away. We actually stayed home for spring break and did some work on the house. And so, uh, Thursday came along and we decided, well, we need to go have some fun. So I said, how about we go swimming? Which was really a ploy to get my wife and I in the pool because I convinced her to sign up for a triathlon and we needed to do some training. Nobody ever called me Mr. Romance, but uh, so, so my son decides to come with us, and we go up to Holmes Junior High Pool, and it's closed for maintenance, but uh, never mind, we're not going to be de- defeated, and so we, um, we go up to you, and we called you and I to see if the, uh, if the WRC was open, and of course... It's spring break and some people actually go and have fun on spring break So they weren't open at that time. So thought, okay. Well, how about the w and waverly and we call and they're open And so we get in the car. We start driving up to waverly and my wife says you have money, don't you? I said, yeah, i've got money And we drive to waverly and we get out of the car and I realize at this moment that my money is in my wallet Which is in my pant pocket, which is at home on my bed And I told my wife I said guess what <laughs> my wallet with the money in it, is at home in my pant pocket on the bed. And we all pile back into the car, and it was a quiet ride back to Cedar Falls, except for when we passed the Dairy Queen uh, in Waverly. And then there was this audible like gasp, like, oh, we can't even stop for ice cream, right? I mean, it's one thing you go up and you miss swimming laps, but to miss the Dairy Queen after driving by it twice and you don't even get the treats... So that was our spring break, 45 minutes to Waverly and back. We got to see the W, we got to think and dream about blizzards and hot fudge sundays and dip cones, no tasting that for us. So uh, anyway, I hope you guys had a better spring break, and I know that some of you, you can feel this pain that I have. Some of you uh, have started out in a direction, you've had expectations, you've got hope, and uh, then you just see all of these just dashed by some poor decision or some lack of thinking or something. Sometimes it's actually a lot more serious than that, than missing out on ice cream or swimming laps. Maybe for some of you, you've actually married the love of your life. You're expecting a happily ever after, but that's not how it's turned out so far for you. Some of you have kids and you have all these hopes and dreams for these children when they were young and little, and some of those dreams have now turned into nightmares for you. Some of you maybe even started off believing in God and following Jesus. And then it's like you got stuck somewhere. You got stuck in a bad relationship or maybe you felt abandoned because you got a phone call about your health. And there's a serious health situation or somebody in your family has a serious health situation. And you just feel abandoned and alone. Real life happens. Sometimes death happens happens there's nothing that crushes hope and causes despair like death luke who hung out with one of jesus good friends peter actually tells the story about a couple of people who started out following jesus and were all excited and filled with hope only to see those hopes crushed as they watched him be crucified on the cross his story actually begins in the, in the 24th chapter of Luke's book about Jesus. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there. Otherwise, we'll have the words up on the screen. But Luke tells us it's the third day since Jesus was crucified. It's the third day. It means this is the day that Jesus had said he would be raised from the dead. He would be resurrected. Probably a day just like today. Maybe a little warmer. Luke tells us that these two followers of Jesus are heading home. They're actually walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from all their friends and family. They're walking away from their hopes and their dreams. And as they walk, they're trying to make sense of this tragic event they've just experienced. Luke tells us this. He says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him that seem a little strange to you? Two people who were following Jesus, who had spent time with Jesus, now Jesus shows up and they don't recognize him? They don't know who he is? I mean, let's assume, right, that Jesus isn't wearing the groucho glasses with the mustache, right, and he doesn't look like a walking dead zombie. Let's set aside the fact that you don't expect to see a dead man walking next to you. They had spent time with Jesus. They had seen Jesus. They knew what he looked like. You know, I've never physically seen Jesus. But there have been times in my life when I've felt his comfort, maybe through a friend. Or I felt a sense of his presence. These people had seen Jesus. And yet maybe it's not so weird. Because I know in those times when, when I've experienced intense grief... When I've experienced moments of shock or deep disappointment, it's in these moments that I struggle most to feel a sense of God's presence or to, or to believe that God is with me. In fact, when I get into a moment of shock, it seems like instead of looking for Jesus, the thing I'm looking for is what's the next step I take just to survive? I think that's how shock works. Just look to try to survive. Take the next step. My initial reaction is often anything but looking for Jesus. As it is, shock and denial then often turn into this grief, and that turns into denial, and that turns into anger, and then I find myself sometimes accusing God. Why aren't you here? Where were you? How could you let this happen? But the truly good news that we see in this story is that in the midst of our deepest pain and hurt, Jesus pursues us. Jesus walks with us. Even when we don't think he's present. Even when we're going home disappointed. Even when we lose hope and that loss of hope causes us to turn away. Even when we walk away from God. Jesus pursues us. He joins us on the road and he walks with us. And if you're here this morning and you're discouraged or you're broken hearted, your dreams have been dashed. Maybe you're just mad at God because you've been asking him to take something away from you to lift some burden and that burden just isn't going away. Maybe somebody in your family has deeply disappointed you or hurt you. Maybe you've just gotten mad at Him and so you decided to walk away from God. I just want you to know that Jesus walks with you. He pursues you. He wants to reveal God's love to you. That God is with you. That God is for you. And He is the great restorer. He can restore your hope. He can restore your life. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to make all things new for you. Even if you're walking away from God, whatever road you're on, Jesus is near you. He walks with you. Luke continues in this story. It says that Jesus asked them, "'What are you discussing together as you walk along?' They stood still, their faces downcast, which may have been one reason they didn't recognize him. They're looking down. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, "'Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days?' Are you not on Twitter? (laughs) Do you not read your snap stories? Do you not know what's going on? What things, Jesus asked? Still don't recognize him. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place now i've heard of peter james john thomas some of these other disciples but have you ever heard of cleopas the disciple i had never heard of cleopas the disciple i had to look him up and actually john who wrote also wrote a book about jesus talks about mary who was the wife of cleopas and Mary is one of three Marys at the cross who witnessed Jesus' resurrection. So a lot of scholars believe that this is Cleopas and his wife Mary are the two disciples who are walking down this road when Jesus appears to them. So imagine what they've just been through. Right? Standing at that cross, watching as Jesus is brutally beaten, as his hands and feet are nailed to that cross, as he's unjustly murdered in front of them. Think about the fear that they must have felt being his followers. Maybe you were next. They probably would have left that night, except it's too dark, it's too dangerous to travel that road. So they would have gotten up the next morning and left, except it was the Sabbath, and the Sabbath rules forbid them from walking that far. So now it's the third day. It's, it's, it's the third day. It's the day that Jesus was supposed to raise, be raised from the dead. And some women, early in the morning, they run to the tomb, as Ed read for us. They run to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. And they come back and they say, his body's not there. And angels told us that he's been raised from the dead. And what do Cleopas and Mary do? They just keep packing. They're getting ready to head home. Nobody really necessarily believes the women. So Peter and John run to check it out for themselves. And they come back and they confirm what Mary has just told them that Jesus was raised from the dead, his body is no longer there. And Cleopas and Mary just head out the door and they're walking home. You would think that maybe these reports would have caused Cleopas and Mary to take 15 minutes to run and check it out for themselves. Why? Why didn't they go? Were they just so broken hearted that they couldn't risk believing in something that was so far outside of the scope of reality? There's just so much shock in their system that they didn't even hear what the others were saying. Were they just simply too scared? Actually, Luke tells us why they were walking away. They said, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And now, what's worse, it's the third day since all this took place. And nothing has happened. I want to suggest that these two disciples' hopes were crushed because they'd come to the wrong conclusion about who Jesus was and what his purpose was. As I thought about that, it made me wonder how many of us in this room today have the wrong understanding of who Jesus is and what his purpose in our lives and the world around us is. How many of us have been disappointed by Jesus or expectations of some life that we believe Jesus promised us? I wonder how many of us have walked away or simply stayed behind watching as other people follow Jesus to see what happens in their lives before we've decided to make the investment following him ourselves. How many of us maybe have been taught by well-meaning church leaders or Sunday school teachers ideas that are either wrong about Jesus or have led us to false views about who Jesus is? I think that's what happened to these two disciples. Right? They'd, they'd come to the conclusion, passed down from centuries of teaching from their religious leaders, passed down through their culture, that the Messiah was somebody who was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire and reestablish Jewish rule and their rightful place in God's kingdom. And Jesus had claimed to be this Messiah. But now Jesus is dead. And three days have gone by, and they knew the promise that the Messiah would come back to life and all these things would happen, but now nothing Nothing had happened that they had expected to happen. And worse yet, the one who had claimed that he was going to make this happen is dead. He's gone. Not only that, he was killed by other Jews in cooperation with the Romans. This is far worse than anything they expected. Perhaps as they're walking away, they're thinking, what a sham. They're devastated. Some of you are suspicious. Some of you are dejected, disappointed by the discovery that Jesus is not who you thought he was, and you've walked away. Some of you have left the church. You left Jesus behind. Maybe some of you thought, you know, he was going to be more like touchdown Jesus, (laughs) or like Sister Jean, you know, the great, uh, None, that came crashing down. But maybe you thought he was going to help you jump higher or run faster or win more or just be more successful. Or maybe, maybe you thought he'd be more like therapy Jesus, right? Just sitting, listening to our problems, solving our problems. And yet here we sit this morning and our problems haven't gone away. And some of them maybe have even gotten a little worse. Or maybe, maybe you thought he was like Starbucks Jesus and you've just been enjoying drinking Fair trade coffee with him and having great spiritual conversations with him and with other people and going to film festivals, you know Hey, I saw I can only imagine right and all of these types of things But now jesus has asked you to do something hard He's asked you to love somebody That's really hard for you to love or somebody who's not like you. Or Maybe he's asked you to forgive somebody Who's hurt you really really bad? maybe You've been introduced to Republican Jesus or Prosperity Jesus or Democrat Jesus, maybe even Platitude Jesus, who's got all these great sayings that work for us when things are going our way, but they don't work so well when somebody else is winning or things aren't going well for us. So you're walking away from Jesus. You walked away from faith. Maybe you've just observed other people who have followed Jesus and you've come to the conclusion that, you know, their life isn't. Much different than mine. In fact, in some cases, it's worse. There's just as much divorce. There's just as much abuse of power. There's there's uh, just as much or more hypocrisy and judgment among those people following Jesus. I I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to be associated with Jesus or with that group. I don't need to follow him. So you're going a different direction. I want you to know this morning that Jesus is not phased by what you think about him. Your understanding or misunderstanding of who Jesus is or isn't, your lack of faith or your lack of hope in him will not stop his relentless pursuit of you. Jesus will join you on the road you're walking, even if it's walking away from God, desperately wanting to reveal to you who God is, God's tremendous, reckless love for you. There's no wall he's, he's not going to kick down. There's no lie that he won't tear down. Coming to reveal that love to you. In fact, Jesus tells a story of a man who owns a hundred sheep. And one of the sheep wandered away dangerously. Jesus says that this man left the other 99 sheep behind at great peril to them to rescue the one. Because he's not willing that even one sheep should be lost. And he says that's the reckless love of God. Pursuing you. Jesus comes to these two like sheep wandering back home. Staying away. And Luke tells us this. He says he comes to them and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This is the son of God leading these two in a Bible study on the son of God. Can you imagine that experience, how awesome that would have been? But he's telling them, listen, everything you've ever heard, everything you've heard about me from the prophets of old that your teachers have taught, everything is true. This is all pointing to me. This is all pointing to this moment, to this event in history, the death and the resurrection of the Son of God for the forgiveness of your sins, that you could be set free from the oppression of your sin, So that your relationship with God can be fully restored. And he can begin making all things new in you and through you. Restoring all of his good creation. And the disciples' hearts start to get a little excited. They start to burn a little bit with passion. They start to see their hope restored and they're walking. And it took Jesus a while to explain all this to them. The whole Old Testament. That takes a while to go through. And so now they've arrived at home and Jesus is just going to keep on walking. But they say, no, no, you've got to come in. You've got to tell us more. And they invite him into dinner. So Jesus decides to stay. Jesus does not abandon people who have the wrong theology about them, or who don't have everything figured out just yet, and don't have it perfect, does not get angry with people who think wrongly about him, who don't have the right views about him. You don't have to believe all the right things to have a relationship with him. He wants to engage you right where you are. And one of the best ways to have that happen is to engage with the Bible. To read about Jesus in these pages, that this book that he's given to us. To read it with somebody else who can maybe help explain these things that are pointing to Jesus, to this moment in history that we're celebrating this morning. But Jesus will not force himself on you. Jesus will keep walking. But if you invite him in, he will stay. If you will invite Jesus in, he will come and stay with you. For those of you who are here this morning who maybe have some real questions about Jesus, maybe you're struggling to believe the whole resurrection thing. Some of you who find things that you read in this book hard to follow, but you kind of like the story about Jesus. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you're intrigued. Maybe your hearts are a little bit excited to know more. Would you consider just inviting him in. Would you consider inviting someone around you who's following him to help you invite him in? Jesus stays for dinner. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This is craziness, right? But look at the shift in these two. They started down this road, dejected, hopeless, in despair, and now their hearts are alive because they've encountered the risen Jesus They've experienced Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. And they get up, the story says, and they run immediately to go tell the others about what they've just experienced, to tell them Jesus is alive. This is the foundation of our faith. This event is the foundation of our faith. If Jesus did not come back to life... And we would be fools to put our faith in him. But if this is true, it changes everything. Luke tells us this story, I believe, because it's a powerful story of two eyewitnesses. One of them is even named. So when people heard this story back in the day, shortly after all this happened, they could actually find Cleopas and ask him himself, what did you experience? He could tell them. At great risk to his own life, but he could tell them what he experienced. This is a real event. These are real eyewitnesses. But more than that, I think that Luke tells us the story because this is our story. Like these two, we struggle to believe what we can't see. We struggle to believe some of the things that we read in the pages of the Bible that are so far outside of our reality. So Jesus pursues us. He comes to us in everyday moments like breaking bread together or walking down a road away from God because he wants us to have an encounter with him and set our hearts on fire to come to know God's reckless love even more. And it still happens today. Sometimes it happens right in the seats that you're sitting in this morning. In fact, I want you to take a listen to Kurt's story who had an encounter with Jesus right in one of these seats And after that, Brad and Katie are going to come and they're going to sing a song about God's reckless love. And I just ask you to consider your own heart. Is something brewing in your heart? Something Is God stirring something up in your heart these days? Or are there walls that he needs to tear down or lies that he needs to tear down in your life so that
1: you can have an encounter with him? Take a look at Kurt's story. Shortly after I got here to Cedar Falls... I was dating someone, and uh, I actually kind of followed her here to you and I. Uh, and we went through a rough patch, and um, we ended up breaking up, and that was really hard on me. I'd been dating her for two years, and uh, I found myself a little lost and not knowing. Um, truly what was going on in my life. I'd never had any sort of uh, depression or anything like that, but I found myself kind of in a weird spot. And uh, I finally reached out to a friend, and she invited me to come to Orchard Hill, to a church service, to kind of see if that would help, help me through my struggle at the time so I decided that would be a good thing for me I came to uh, church one Sunday and I walked into this huge building and it was very uneasy for me I, I wasn't sure what to think about it back home I grew up going to a very small Lutheran, Lutheran church um, we maybe had 200 members total and uh so this whole setting was a huge shock to me. So I finally gathered up the courage to walk into the gym and uh, I kinda got led, I don't know by what, but to uh, all the way to the front of the church. And I saw a seat at the front of the church, probably two aisles from the front, and it it was on the end. And for some reason, I didn't sit in that end seat. I sat in the seat next to it, and I wasn't sure why at the time, I just thought I should sit in the seat next to the end. When the church service started, we started with with the praise band, and shortly into the first song, I felt hands come down onto my shoulders and those hands felt like God's hands resting on my shoulders and it was as if I knew from that point on that I was going to be okay with the situation I was dealing with and everything I was going through God was telling me that I'd come to the right place I was in the right place and That's where I needed to be, and I needed to start putting my faith back as my first priority. And from that point on, for the rest of the service, as I praised with the praise band and listened to the teaching, I felt God sitting in the chair right next to me. And all of a sudden, I knew why I left that chair open, because He sat with me for the rest of the service and I was no longer alone I was it was as if I knew everyone in the building
2: In me you have been so so kind to me been so, so good to me When I felt no worth You paid it all for me You have been so, so kind to me Oh, the He says, me down, fights till i found leaves in 99. And I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away.
0: not sure where you're at this morning. You know maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time but it's been a while since you've actually felt the presence of God. Or maybe you're one of these people who has bought into this lie that Jesus did this for others but he couldn't have done it for me. He couldn't love me like that after the life I've lived. No, Jesus did this for you. He did this for all of us. There's no wall he won't kick down. There's no lie he won't tear down. You know, you don't have to go to temple. You don't have to go somewhere. In the everyday moments, he's pursuing you. Just as you walk through life, he wants to spend time with you. He wants to share God's love with you. There's no shadow he won't light up. There's no mountain he won't climb up. coming after you sometimes it helps us to actually sing these words. Music can actually help us as we sing these words to actually get them into our minds, in our hearts, and to believe them. So I would invite you now to stand and sing with us as we continue to praise God and celebrate His life and resurrection.
2: There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. Today. Sing it out, no shadow There's no shadow You won't light up